We are going to start today's session with a conversation with Alok Nandan, founding general partner of First Rays Venture Partners. Alok, welcome back to the show. Uh, thank you, Shamana. Great to be back. Uh, thanks for having me. You have been here with your previous firm, Emergent Partners, yeah? Yes. So what's new? Looks like a lot of new things have happened to you. Yeah, yeah. So let me just uh, quickly update. So I, you know, COVID, as you know, accelerated a lot of things. And, and what happened was I was coming on to four years with my previous firm. Um, I had joined them, Ankur, the the managing partner there, started the firm and I joined him. And and uh, I, I was noodling of starting my own firm, uh, you know, over the past couple of years. Uh, and I'll talk about why, uh, I, I, but COVID just accelerated it. So late last year, I started uh, First Series Venture Partners. We were actually very busy last six months. We did 10 investments. And, uh, you know, uh, from our first fund, fund one is fully deployed. <laughs> Now, uh, first check, now we are raising fund two uh, and we are starting to invest out of fund two uh, starting in this summer. Yeah. And what are the, uh, catch us up on the vital statistics of the new fund? What size, what, uh, sure. uh, what fund one, what fund two going to be and, yeah. and what is the investment sure. piece? Yeah, sure. So fund one was a $20 million vehicle. Uh, we were investing in B2B software uh, companies with a specific focus on cloud infrastructure and data infrastructure. So more infrastructure layer than application layer. And okay. uh, uh, we've done 10 investments. A median check size is uh, 750K. Uh, fund, mm -hmm. uh, the second fund, uh, we are targeting to be a $50 million fund. Uh, we have raised uh, more than 60% of that already. And uh, we would do about 20 or so investments uh, with a typical check size median of 1 million with reserves of similar amounts of follow on in Series A. Uh, okay. So that's, yeah, yeah. So talk about what you want to see uh, in before you are willing to write a million dollar check. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a, that's a very good question. Uh, so, like the million dollar question in the in the <laughs> that we travel. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, I mean, I can go. I mean, there are certain uh, filters by which uh, you know we look for entrepreneurs, right? Now, at the seed stage, a lot of uh, uh, data and metrics is actually not available. Like you don't know much about revenue. You can't talk to customers because sometimes you know startups may not already have paying customers. Right. So what you're really betting on is actually the founders or the founding team and the category in which uh, they are playing. Right. So I'll talk about both of them uh, in terms of the founders. Uh, we look for founders who have demonstrated resilience and self-awareness. Uh, why? Because a journey of a startup is a, it's a, a lot of it is about internal battles and not just external battles. A typical journey takes seven to eight years, if not longer. So uh, if, if the founder or the founding team has demonstrated that resilience and that self-awareness that they can weather the ups and downs and stay, you know, uh, keep equanimity and keep going and push through everything that uh, life throws at them, that is something we actively look for. And there are certain ways in which you can look for those signals and what they have done in their past lives, uh, you know, what kind of trajectory they are in their you know, uh, you know, past careers and so on, right? So that's number one on the founding team. Secondly, on the category or the space, uh, one of the areas uh, that I'm, you know, as you probably know, AI is, you know, everywhere and it's gonna become pervasive, uh, you know, 
in the next 10 years, just like mobile. Nobody talks about mobile today. In 2010, everything was about mobile. Uh, I, I don't know if you recall that, but now, you know, everybody's talking about AI, right? In 10 years, nobody's going to talk about AI because AI is going to be pervasive. It's going to be in every workflow, every tool, every product, right? Now, we are not investing in AI per se from the new fund. Our thesis is around more of picks and shovels for AI. So tools, mm -hmm. developer tools, infrastructure tools, API tools, cybersecurity tools, uh, you know, data infra. So anything that enables somebody to build better AI, faster AI, cheaper AI, uh, that is something uh, we are, uh, you know, actively looking for. So those are the categories. And within that, you know, I can unpack it, right, uh, around data, around sort of the cloud uh, migration, and then around cybersecurity and privacy. Uh, those are sort of big themes that we look for within this, uh, you know, sort of picks and shovels play. Yeah. So, um, so to net out the answer to my question, what are you looking for? You're really looking for a founder that you feel good about. Yeah, I mean, you know, it is, it is, uh, you know, unfortunately, it is, it is a little subjective because at the seed stage, you don't have that much metrics right to go yeah. up at series a and beyond you have numbers you can look at at seed stage you don't have numbers so a lot of times it is a qualitative bet less so of a quantitative bet and and the qualitative bet is around the founding team's domain expertise and and their sort of uh, you know um, ability uh, to execute on and going after hard problems and some of that is demonstrated by their past experience so does that translate into that you are looking for serial entrepreneurs only? Uh, not necessary. See, first-time founders, if they have worked in other startups such are fast-growing, or even if they have been in other companies where they have demonstrated that they took on a big problem and solved it, uh, that is something we actively look for. Uh, obviously, serial entrepreneurs uh, would be great too, but that's not the only uh, criteria for us, right? There are other ways in which a founder can demonstrate uh, that they have, uh, uh, you know, this, uh, uh, you know, ability to uh, venture out and do something, right? Doesn't have to be their own company. It could be part of some other startup or some other bigger company as well. So let's double click down on the 10 investments that you've made already with this picks and shovel investment thesis and give us some examples of what you have invested in why sure. you've invested in those and what are the specifics of was this a first time founder was it a serial entrepreneur let's let's take some case studies yeah yeah sure i can talk about one that i'm excited about uh, uh they are still a little bit they're not fully public yet so i can't talk about all the things but i can talk i can give the contours so this is a founder there's actually uh, two founders uh, they both are have you know are in the valley uh, they both had 20 plus years of experience uh, in the networking space. Uh, they've worked in companies like Cisco, Juniper, and so on. Uh, one of the founders, uh, the CEO, he was in another venture-backed company. Uh, he was a VP of engineering there. And the other founder was in another venture-backed company. He was a founding engineer there. So they're both engineers. Uh, the problem they are going after is COVID has accelerated this work from home or remote work. And what has mm -hmm. happened is, uh, a lot of venture capital dollars have gone into, oh, what is the next, uh, you know, way of collaboration, whether it's next Slack, next uh, whiteboarding tool, and so on. 
but there is another section of the team which is the engineering team and the devops team which also are working from home and the kind of work they do is actually become 10 times harder in this remote environment i'll give you an example when 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 a software is deployed in the cloud so that people can access it it requires you to upload or you know upload a bunch of data right now if you're working from home your internet bandwidth is not as fast as when you're working from the office right typically the speed of internet at home is much slower now if i'm trying to upload a lot of data from my home <laughs> it's going to take forever my job is 10 times harder so this uh, and the second thing is these uh, if you're familiar with the solar winds attack right uh, it was a cybersecurity attack right uh, that is that is going after this exact workflow of devops tools accessing uh, data and 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 code in the cloud when you're uploading your software so everyone can access yeah. it as a supply chain attack right and and so what this company is doing is is building a cloud native version of what is known as privileged access management or a pam uh, so it's a cloud native pam right and and there are other you know uh, public companies there's a company called cyberarc there's another company that recently was acquired by thoma brivo for a billion dollars it's a company called thicotic so they are previous generation pam tools there is no cloud native pam tool that exists in the market today especially that works in this remote work environment where every engineer every dev devops engineer is working from home and trying to do trying to just access these cloud resources in a secure manner and a performant manner right so that's an example of a picks and shovels it's a cybersecurity and a devops tool uh, it is enabling people to work in a performant and secure way from wherever they are working in a remote environment and uh, it is uh, you know there is some ai also in a, inside it but that's still being built out right so that's in a you know sort of uh, a broad contour uh, of 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 the investment one of the investments yeah. great very good very good good uh, example of what you define picks and shovels by do you want to do another uh, use case like that uh there's another one uh, you know it's not yet public but i can again given uh, give uh, uh give a uh a contour of it uh, actually let me take another one which is public uh, so this is a company called blitz.io with a double z uh, this is a uh, there are two founders uh, one of them is a technical founder uh, he was in another venture funded company he was the director of engineering there the ceo she was in another venture founded company that went public and then she was in sap's uh, accelerator program uh, and and so uh the problem they are going after is again around this data replication so a lot of data today even in a fortune 500 sits on prem on on prem servers on prem databases cloud mm -hmm. is a mega trend everyone is moving to the cloud but to move yeah. petabytes of data from an on prem uh, you know database like a oracle database or a sql server to a cloud database or a warehouse like a snowflake or a databricks it takes a long time i mean the data replication you you know every time something changes you don't want to copy the whole database over to the cloud you only want to copy the changes over right now copying the delta changes of the uh, the data that's coming in is very hard it's a very hard computer science problem that is what these guys are going after which is how do you incrementally keep two databases in sync where one database is sitting in on prem in some 
you know, uh, uh, data center in, in a uh, company's office and the other database is sitting in the cloud, whether it is Amazon or Azure or Google or what have you, right? How do you keep these two sync in a, in a performant and a cost-effective way? So that is the problem they are uh, solving. Again, it is a, it is a data infrastructure. It is sort of, uh, you know, uh, they, there is no fancy AI in it. There's no very little UI, but the core yeah. of the innovation is how do you do this data replication uh, between on-prem to cloud or between cloud to cloud in a in a in a in a cost-effective and performant manner. Yeah. Very good, very good. Alok, do you have a um, an analysis of the infrastructure space that you're investing in, where you have identified open problems that you want to invest in that you haven't yet found an entrepreneur team to invest? Yeah, into? absolutely, absolutely. I can tell you uh, a lot of them. So again, I'm 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 passionate about data infrastructure. I mean, as you probably know, Snowflake is one of the largest IPOs in the history of the US, right? Uh, so uh, uh, the space, you know, within data infrastructure space, I'll give you a couple of examples. One is something called data lineage, right? What is data lineage, right? So today, when you, when you create a customer account, let's say you're a Uber customer, right? You have an account with Uber. Now that account information about you with Uber is not just sitting in one database. It is replicated across 20, 30 databases. Um, mm -hmm. Jeff Bezos talked about this, what is known as specialized databases for specialized uh, use cases, right? In his 2019 annual letter. Uh, and, 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 and what has happened in the enterprise today is there is now a fragmentation of this database. So now there is a graph database, there is a key value database, there is a document database, there is a, 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 a relational database and on and on and on. And these are, and so there's like literally hundreds of different types of databases, right? Mm -hmm. Now data lineage is how do you track when, when somebody makes a change within one, right? So this is different from Blitz. Blitz is more about uh, on-prem to cloud or cloud to cloud. This is within on-prem also, right? When you make a change, let's say Shamana uh, updates her phone number in your Uber account, right? It's quite possible, right? How does that change get traced through all these other databases that are sitting in the Uber's infrastructure, right? Okay. That mm -hmm. is a hard problem. It is not solved. There are a couple of companies. There's a company called Manta, M-A-N-T-A. Uh, it was just recently funded by Bessemer. So, but I'm actively looking for companies like that. If if there is a company like that, I would love to talk to them. Uh, okay. You know. Uh, so so that's an example. Again, in the I can go on and on in the data infra. There's another one in uh, uh, in in cybersecurity as well. Again, talking about data security, right? Uh, uh, after solar winds, right? I, I don't know uh, how much you know about the solar wind supply chain attack, right? Uh, basically, uh, you know, many prominent CISOs have said, if you're an organization, just assume that you have been breached. Assume that mm -hmm. the attacker is in your organization. Now, how do you, so the first line of defense is breached. Now, what is the second line of defense? Typically, the second line of defense is identity. So you continuously authorize whoever is trying to access the data. Assume that there are bad actors already in your organization, right? Now, how do you make sure, what, 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 what else can you do? So the next step is identity-based security, right? Which is you, anybody who's trying to access your data, whether it is customer data or internal data, right? How do you make sure that they have the authority to access that data, 
right? And they are doing it from the right. They're not doing it from some personal laptop, right? Which is quite possible in a remote work environment. I'm just sitting at home. I try to get some work done from my personal laptop, right? So how do you make sure that in this remote work environment, data access and data governance is is followed uh, in the post where where you know the attackers could already be inside your organization right it, so uh, there's a term for this it's known as insider threat right and it's a very well known uh, term uh, but that's another example of 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 us looking i'm actively looking for solutions uh, for this insider threat attacks okay very good very good this is uh, all this is very helpful to uh, make entrepreneurs out there aware of what uh, you know what open problems yep. are being sought by investors great yep. now um, switching a little bit to a different line of questioning what are you thinking uh, in terms of how you want to play this fund um, are you looking for unicorns are you looking for strategic um, early exits what's the analysis yeah, I mean, see, when when we come in, right, it's it's two guys in a garage most of the times, or a girl or a guy in the garage, right? It is very hard to predict if any of them will become a unicorn, right? So so we, we can't base our strategy on companies becoming unicorns, right? We cannot, right? And 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 given our fund size, right, uh, with the number of bets we make, even if they get you know, acquired, if they are in a good space, they're a good team, if they acquired for a hundred million or so, that is a decent return for us, you know, and, yeah. and, and if, you know, so we, our strategy, our fund strategy does not, uh, we are not dependent on any of our companies becoming a unicorn. Let me put it that way, right? So, you know, even if in, none of our companies become unicorns, we will still do fine because of our fund size and our fund strategy. Right, and and that is a conscious decision, right? There's others, and and in B two B space, right? And that's another uh, thing I'll just uh, for the audience uh, help them understand, right? In B two C, B two C is a very hits driven business. It's like movie business, right? It's it's hit. You get you get a Facebook or you get a Snapchat. Otherwise, most of the rest go to zero. B two B is not yeah. like that, and B two B software is absolutely not like that, right? Where there's a lot of exits that happen in the sub hundred to two hundred million dollar exit. Right. And, and, and that most and, exits are sub 50 million dollar exits. In yeah. So, yeah. So 50 to 100. I mean, depends. Right. If it is strategic, yeah. then it goes to uh, like 70, 80 or 100. I mean, sometimes in cybersecurity, in data infra, in networking, I mean, 200, 250 happens quite a lot. Uh, right. If it is very strategic. Um, uh, so, 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 but yes, you're right that most of these are sub whatever, 200 million dollar majority. Right. And, and and so that is something uh, uh, that is sort of consciously baked into our strategy that we don't need to rely on unicorns for us to return uh, our fund if if that helps. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, good. Now, um, what is your assessment to make money as an investor in a let's say fifty to hundred million dollar exit bracket? What is the maximum amount of money that you want to put into a company as a as a you know full amount of capital, not just your side of the check? Maybe there are other syndicates yeah. and so forth. But what is the total amount of capital that you recommend? Yeah, um, no, that's a that's a good question. Yeah, no, that's a good question. See, any time if a company raises more than ten million total in the lifetime of the 
of the company then yeah. to get a exit that is a 50 to 100 is 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 hard right because any investor who comes in with whatever check size in that 10 million right they would want at least a 5 to 10x right and so it becomes really hard to so so i would say yes. if if the going in assumption is you're going to get a 50 to 100 million exit do not raise more than 7 to 8 million that in the lifetime of the company right okay. ideally the lesser the better but obviously less is is more challenging because then you can't execute on stuff so i would say the optimal amount is you raise like 4 to 5 million you get to get your product in the market get to customers get to million arr if you are a strategic fit for somebody i think somebody will buy you uh, right in in the 30 40 50 million right i think that's that's if 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 that is the entrepreneur's goal right then that is i think a very uh, sound strategy yeah 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 and and i think you know given the number of problems out there that are actually not necessarily these very large problems but they need to be solved you know yes this is not a bad strategy we always uh, you know in in, in deciding on what is the right strategy for an entrepreneur's uh, you know, fundraising slash exit, we often take this into consideration is that, you know, it's okay to also play a different game. Yeah, absolutely. And I'll tell you also, this is sort of a little bit of uh, education for the entrepreneurs, right? A lot of first time entrepreneurs, they don't even ask a VC, what is your fund size? You know, yes. that is an absolute must have, they should know because there is a saying in VC land, right? If you tell me your fund size, I will tell you your strategy. Right. <laughs> so the fund size right. is the strategy of the VC fund, right? And 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 as yeah. a consequence, if I'm an entrepreneur, if I'm talking to somebody which has a two hundred million dollar fund, they will look at it to you very differently from a, a from a VC who has a twenty five million dollar fund, right? right. And right. that is we, a, we stress a lot. We yeah. stress investor entrepreneur fit a lot, and fund size is very much a consideration that. Uh, that we uh, take into account in deciding where one should play. And, and you know, I've, I've talked to a lot of, as you know, we talk to investors all the time. Um, uh, you know, some of some investors with smaller fund sizes exit into Series A or Series B, yes. which is which is a fine fund strategy as well. Yeah, and that is happening more and more. So that's another great point, right? It's it doesn't need to be that the company needs to sell fully outright. Right. Uh, there are now uh, sort of uh, liquidity options, both for individual founders to get some liquidity out or for, you know, there are all these now uh, uh, marketplaces, right? Like equities and I mean, for somewhat late stage, but also that is moving uh, sooner and sooner. And to your point, right, that even at Series B stage, sometimes there are certain investors which are OK to sell their positions to other later stage investors. Right. So that is also possible. Right. And, and if you as a founder initially you thought, oh, I will do, I will get to series B. I'll see if I can exit out. And then you see, oh, this is a much bigger market. Then then you need to get a different set of investors, right, who yes. can take you from 100 to 1 billion. Right. And that's yes. totally fair Absolutely. game. Right. So so I think that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Very good. Very good. Very interesting conversation. Now, look, I wish you all the best with first raise and uh, I'm sure we'll uh, have a chance to cross paths again soon. Thank you, Shamana. Um, Thanks you. for having me. Yeah, yeah. Bye-bye. Right. Take care. Bye.